Father, we, li- we are living not in just, just enough life, Father. We live in the abundant life. Father, you declared in your word that you came that we might have life, and not just enough life, Father, but an abundant life, an overflowing life. That is your desire for, your, for mankind. That is your desire for your church. Father, we choose to live in abundance of, of healing, an abundance of grace, Father, an abundance of forgiveness, overflowing, Father, of all the, all the gifts that you've given to us. Every gift, Father, that you've given to us, Father, is an abundant gift, above that which we can ask or think, Father. In fact, Father, you said it's exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. It's not just barely what we can ask or barely what we can think, Father. It's, and it's not just above what we can ask or think. It's exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, Father. Father, we thank you for the overflow of your spirit, the overflow of your gifts, overflow of the manifestations of the spirit of God, overflow of miracles, Father, signs and wonders, gifts of the Holy Spirit, Father. We thank you, Father, for an abundance, an overflow, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, that we have an abundance of healing, an abundance of strength, Father, an abundance of freedom. Father, we have an abundance of the supernatural miracle work and power of God. Father, it's not even less than enough. It's not enough, Father. It's an abundantly above enough. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you. You are not the just enough God. Father, you are not the not enough God. You are the abundant, overflowing God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we choose to live in the overflow. We choose to live, Father, in the abundance that you've given to us. We choose to walk in it. We choose to receive it. We choose to thank you for it, Father. And we will not shy away. We will not be condemned for living in that way, Father. We will take great joy in living in the abundance of God. We thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And Father, for all of these things, we give you praise and honor and glory. Thanksgiving for them, Father. We thank you for the abundance that you've given to us. We receive and choose to accept, Father, that which you've given to us. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, God is not the just enough kind of God, is he? He's not the barely get along kind of God. Uh, he's not, he came through and it was just enough. Uh, he comes through and he brings abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Uh, so that your cup runs over. Well, you know, if your cup's running over, what are you going to do with that? Well, then you have more to give to other people. Amen. A lot of times it's just, uh, well, I don't even have enough to help anybody else. Well, you're not living in the abundantly above all that we can ask or think. You're not living in the, the uh, my cup runneth over that the Lord has given to us. Uh, we should live in, in that area. That's the only way we can have to give to others. Amen. Uh, in fact, Paul, when he said, when he was talking about giving, he didn't say that you should give uh, in a sense that, that it harms you. Amen. You should give out of your abundance. 
and, and so if you don't have an abundance, it's hard to give, amen? Some people say you should give till it hurts. You know, if you're giving out of your abundance, you know, uh, in that sense that you have more than you need because of the Lord's blessings, I'm not saying you shouldn't give uh, as the Lord instructs you, but uh, if you're giving because uh, you've got such an abundance that you don't know what to do with it, then that's a good place to be, amen? Um, and so uh, he, uh, the Lord told David, my cup runneth over, amen? Uh, or David said that by the direction of the Holy Spirit, my cup runneth over, uh, and your cup should run over, amen? You should have an abundance of healing, an abundance of wisdom, and a, an overabundance of the things that you have need of in this life. And then you have the ability to help others, amen? Uh, and so, praise God, we thank him for that, amen? Uh, and so, uh, let's turn in our Bibles to the, to the book of Acts chapter 3. We'll continue there today. Uh, we've been talking about, um, well, in this particular chapter, let's see what, uh, we, about the, that we have authority to, to do things. And so, we had talked about this story here already uh, to some extent. And this is a story with the man at the gate, beautiful. And, um, you know, Peter had said, uh, look on me, right? In verse 4, Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, look on us. Um, and, you know, we have talked a lot about Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus said several times, don't be doing things to be seen of men. But then here Peter is saying, uh, look at me. Well, what's he asking him to do? To be seen of men. Uh, but see, uh, just real quick, uh, I'll hold your place there. You, you can't read Matthew chapter 5 without also reading uh, Matthew, or you can't read Matthew chapter 6 with, without also reading Matthew chapter 5. And Matthew chapter 5 in verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And that tells you everything you need to know about that, that attitude of, of heart that you need to have. Amen? That uh, in verse uh, in chapter six, uh, it says in verse one, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. And that's one of three different times he talks about don't being seen of men. And yet in chapter five, he says, uh, let people see what you're doing. So, well, which one is it, Jesus? You know, I mean, you're, you're kind of telling us you, you, you can't do this, you can't do that. But it's just, uh, it sounds like you're, you're you know, talking out of both sides of your mouth, right? Uh, on the one hand, you don't do, don't do it, but then over here you said to do it, so which one is it? Well, I mean, the legalistic and the religious people have a hard time with that, amen, because uh, so many, I've heard so many, don't ever let people see what you're doing. You know, you can't, and they will, I mean, they will go to painful uh, lengths to make sure people won't see what they're doing, amen. If they're giving, well, I, I give anonymously, you know, I don't ever, you know, I never let anybody know what I'm doing. Uh, and I can guarantee you that people that do that, that make sure that nobody ever knows what they're giving, really aren't really giving all that much, right? And maybe because they feel like if I knew what I was giving, it wouldn't be very impressive. But uh, you give whatever you want to give, of course, right? It's none of my business. But uh, people will be super legalistic about these things. Uh, and, uh, and so, and yet Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that I may see your good works. But the key there, of course, is the last phrase there, what? And, and do what? Glorify who? Your Father, Your Father which is in heaven. What did what Jesus said in, in chapter 6, verse 1, to be seen of who? To be seen of them, of men, right? And so the key is, what's your heart in doing something? Is your heart to glorify God, or is your heart to be seen of men, to get the glory of men? Uh, and, and, of course, who can decide that? 
Well, only you can decide that, amen? I mean, uh, is, is the action itself the issue? The action itself is not the issue because uh, he said, don't give your alms before men to be seen of them. Well, can, can, uh, would there be times that you gave alms or gave somebody finances or some money and they knew that you gave it to them? I mean, uh, oftentimes, if you're going to give somebody money, you go up and give them money. Hey, here's, you know, $100 or whatever it is. Well, did they see you do that? Well, they did. Uh, well, uh, is, that, is that wrong? You know, some people, they, they mail it to you, an anonymous check, you know, or mail you an, an anonymous $100 bill, which, you know, good chance it may not even make it there, right? If it's a cash in an envelope, it may not make it to your house. Uh, but is there anything wrong with just going up and giving somebody $100? No. Uh, would, they, would they have seen you do that? Well, surely they would have seen you do that. Uh, and, and so, but what's your attitude in it? What's your purpose in doing that? to be a blessing to them so that God can get the glory. And if that's your attitude in your heart, well, then you can be seen of men. Because Jesus said, let your light so shine that be seen of men. So, so Peter was not in, in, in direct rebellion to what the Lord Jesus had, had instructed. He said, uh, you know, we're going to get you healed and you're going to glorify God. Uh, and so, you know, find that balance in your life that, that, you, that, you, that you, it's your responsibility. I mean, it's not the Lord's responsibility. It's your responsibility to determine your motives of your actions. Amen. And so now we can go back to, to Acts chapter 3. Because some people, I, would, I can't imagine, you know, look at me. You know, he's so prideful and, and so arrogant. And yet, is, it, is that not what our master commanded us to do? Let your light so shine before men that, that, that they may see your good works. It's perfectly fine, perfectly uh, acceptable to be seen of men uh, when you're doing good works. Uh, as long as your motivation is to glorify God. Amen. Now, if it's fake glorify God... Oh, don't look at me. I'm just a humble servant of the Most High God. You know, that, that fake humility that people will do. Like, whatever, you know. Uh, you, you want to be seen. Uh, and we've all seen it. We've all known it, you know. Maybe even once or twice in our life we've done that, right? Uh, but see, if you're really focused on God gets all the glory, then you got no problem with saying, hey, I can help you. I can help you. Amen? I tell people all the time, I can help you. I, I tell people I can help anybody. Is that, is, that, is that an arrogant statement to obtain glory from men? No, because, uh, I mean, I can't literally help you in and of myself, but I know the Word of God. And I can tell you book, chapter, and verse that will help you get out of your situation. I know the Spirit of God, and He will reveal to me, uh, to me something that can help you if it's necessary. And so I have an answer for everybody, amen? Uh, and 99% of the time, it's just book, chapter, and verse. I can give you book, chapter, and verse, tell you how to get out of your situation, Amen. Uh, and, and so, you know, I mean, just uh, in dealing with some of the folks that, uh, that come to the church on occasion, um, you know, in, in, in the lives, you know, we see a lot of folks who come in just uh, destitute in their life, desperate for help. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I can help you. Well, what should I do? Well, go to church and be faithful. Show yourself faithful to the Lord to do what, that which he's commanded you to do for a season, a time, you know, uh, ideally for over a long period of time, and he will always be your help. Amen. And they'll be, they look at you like, well, I can't do that. You know, I mean, I can't go to the same church for more than a day because, you know, I need to find out there's got to be options, you know. And besides that, I'm not a member of, of any church. I'm a member of the church. You're like, whatever, you know, uh, you're not a member of the church, you know. If you're, member, if you're only a member of the church, you are not a member of a church. Uh, but see, uh, uh, it's been my observation. It's not 100%, but it's pretty close that people who live in constant tragedy, constant turmoil, constant uh, conflict in their life, the root of it is, is almost always lack of faithfulness to the Lord. 
Now, they'll tell you they're the most faithful person in the world. But if you're only faithful in the realm of the spirit, not faithful in the realm of the natural, you are not faithful. People I'm faithful to God. Uh, where have you been the last uh, 17 years of church, right? How, how long have you been going to the same church? How long have you, uh, have you uh, been married to the same person? How long have you had the same job? How long have you, you know, uh, had the same friends or just anything? Anything that would show faithfulness, uh, show me your faithfulness. If you show me your lack of faithfulness, I'll show you the root of your problem. And I could, t- you know, then that's not every problem, but a, a lot of things, you know, people are desperate in their finances. Have you been faithful to give as the Lord's instructed you? You know, he said to tithe, right? That's one, one type of giving. There's tithes and offerings. Uh, tithing is, you know, is the first fruits of your, of your labors, amen? First 10% of your labors goes to the Lord. Now, I've done that since I, the day I got born again, amen? Uh, and, and so, have you been faithful to tithe? Well, I can't afford the tithe. Well, there's your problem, amen? I, you're not faithful to do that which the Lord's called you to do, so you can't expect him to do his part, because he said, if you give, it shall be given unto you. Again, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to get any, a dollar out of anybody, but I can show you uh, oftentimes that faithfulness is the root cause of so many people's issues in their life, or lack of faithfulness. Uh, and, um, and, you know, uh, someone said that they would go to, uh, they'd go to McDonald's a hundred times, and if a hundred times out of a hundred they got the, the order wrong, they'd just go back. They'd still they'd go back tomorrow. Well, maybe they'll get it right tomorrow. Uh, but they go to church, and, and the pastor says one thing they don't like, and they're gone. Well, see, that's the lack of faithfulness, amen? Uh, you know, for me, I, and I, I told the Lord this, and this is the way I lived uh, when I was with my pastor for all those years. I was with him because the Lord told me to go to that church. He didn't tell me to, to go to that church as long as I was happy, as long as the pastor made me happy, because the pastor did not make me happy oftentimes. Uh, and uh, it's, the specifics are not important in this situation. What is important is I was faithful to do, to do that which the Lord instructed me to do. And if he instructed me to go to that church, then my attitude was, then, then there's nothing you can do or say that can cause me to leave. Uh, if, if you, uh, you know, one time I told them, I said, I said, Pastor, I said, <clears throat> because everything in, the, in the, uh, everything in the church, you know, this was back in the 90s, Back in the 90s, by law, everything had to be baby blue, right? Or that kind of maroon color, right? Remember all those, uh, that, uh, what's, what was that brand name that was called? It, it was everything was blue or uh, it, was home, it was home goods or something like that. But anyway, there, there was a brand name that everything was either baby blue or kind of maroon color, right? Uh, and he, he, got, he liked the baby blue. So the walls were baby blue, the carpet was baby blue, the chairs were baby blue. And I said, Pastor, I said, you know, God invented more than one color. There is more than one color in the universe. Uh, and um, <laughs> you know, he just got in a rut, amen? Well, you know, how many people have left a church because of a paint on the wall uh, or the color of the chairs or the style of the carpet? I mean, uh, we were talking to somebody. They, they went to, uh, they were carpet salesmen, they, and this church asked them to come and um, uh, give them, bring some samples to the church to decide uh, what color to to what kind of carpet to buy for the church. And so they brought samples, you know, and, uh, and um, they brought them before the church, and the church was split. We know half wanted this one, half wanted that one. And the pastor said, oh, we can't make a decision. Uh, come back. And so he came back and, and, uh, with a different set of, of carpet, and, and which one do you guys want? Well, half wanted this one, half wanted that one. He did this three times, you know, same thing. And finally he said, look, you need to get a committee. Just get a small group of people to make a decision. 
Because, you know, the problem with, with everybody having an opinion, everybody has an opinion. Amen. And, and look, is there any spiritual significance to the color of carpet that you buy? No, it just doesn't matter. I mean, it should be like, we don't care. You know, I mean, I mean, maybe you got a preference and that's fine. But, you know, what if they don't pick your color? Uh, I mean, you know, is that the end of the world? And so finally, the committee made a decision. Uh, and, uh, and they decided to, to pick a color. And so they, they bought that color. Well, like five families left the church because of the carpet, because of the carpet. And, you know, and I, and, and I think about this a lot of times. I think, okay, so you fast forward to the end of eternity, uh, the end, end of this natural life, and we're all standing before the Lord Jesus, and it, your time's up. And you're before the Lord Jesus, and he goes, uh, he's only going to ask you one question, right? Did you do that which I asked you to do? Uh, that's the only question, right? Did you do what I asked you to do? Now, that's a big question, right? Because did you do, you know, uh, Matthew chapter 5? Did you do Matthew chapter 6? Did you go to the church that I asked you to go to? And when they go, well, I, well, I did for a season, Lord. Oh, was that right? You left the church. Yeah, I left the church. Lord. I, I, I couldn't go to that church. Well, why didn't you go to, why did you stop going to the church that I called you to? Well, Lord, you know, there was that day they picked the wrong carpet. And, you know, Lord, carpet is such a spiritual and uh, spiritually important thing that I, I could not go in good conscience to that church anymore. I had to I had to leave that church because they were spiritual uh, adulterers having picked the wrong color carpet. Lord, they were wrong. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I mean, what's he going to say? He probably, you know, I mean, I don't know what he's going to say. You know, maybe just like to look at you and just go back at the line. Go to the back of the line. I'll see you again in a thousand years. Back of the line, you know. Uh, why? Because, you know, faithfulness is, is one of the things that you've got to be faithful to what God's called you to do. Amen. Regardless of good or bad or indifferent. Amen. Uh, and, and, and I can tell you so many stories of people that, I, you know, they come for help. And the issue is lack of faithfulness. Whatever it is, you know, in whatever it, it's financial or physical, you know, were you there? Because uh, one, one minister, I like their definition of faithfulness. It's, he said, it's being there. That's faithfulness, it's being there. Right? Wherever there is, wherever you're called to be, whatever you're called to do, you're there. Amen? And so when the Lord needs somebody to do something, he's going look to at, look at that place and go, okay, uh, you should be there. So, so I need you because you're where I need you to be. So now I need you to do something. You know, and I'll tell you, tell you this because it's, it's in the same vein there. Um, years ago, uh, you know, oftentimes for, for me, the Lord will speak to me usually during the week about somebody in particular at the church, you know, and, and, and uh, he'll say, usually he'll give me, you know, say this over them, you know, speak this into their life. And that's fine. And, and it won't be everything. It'll be, you know, part of it. And then as I speak it, he'll give me the rest of it. Uh, and so uh, a few times over the years, I'd come to church ready to speak that thing over somebody's life. And then he wouldn't be there. That's really odd. Maybe he didn't know. You reckon he didn't know they were going to be there? I mean, you know, that's a possibility, right? I mean, oh, sorry, I thought they were going to be there. But, you know, I didn't know they wouldn't show up. And so after a few times this happened, and I, so I went to him. I said, Lord, hey, I mean, I, you know, see, I know, you know, we all know the Lord, right? I mean, obviously, he knows if they're going to be there or not. Well, Lord, you know, you know they're not going to be there. Why would you tell me? To say that, you know, in fact, one time he said, when they're there, you give them so much money. They, they're, they're, they're in some financial difficulty. 
you give him some money to help him. And he told me how much money to give him. You know, and there's hundreds of dollars, hundreds of dollars, right? It wasn't just a dollar, you know. Here's a dollar, you know, hope that helps. Uh, you know, and if a dollar helps you, that's fine, right? I had a guy come in and said, I said, hey, what are you up to? He said, I'm just walking around the streets hoping to find a dollar to buy a cup of coffee. You know, and, and really the, the footnote of what he was saying was, and I hope you give it to me, right? But he didn't ask. And so, you know, so I just hooked up with his faith. I said, man, I hope you find it. I hope, I hope you walk in there and you find a dollar inside the road, you know. Because Jesus said, ask, amen. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, man, I, I can use a cup of coffee. You got a dollar I can have to go get a cup of coffee? I'd give him a dollar. But to hint around and him haw around and just, you know, is, is that how we're supposed to pray? Well, Lord, you know, I hate to bother you, you know, but if you want to give me anything, it's, it's okay, you know. I'm not going to ask for anything in particular. But. So anyway, yeah, I got to church that day and, and they weren't there. So I kept the money. I mean, you know, what are you going to do with it? I just, you know, it was mine to begin with. And, and so, uh, but I asked the Lord about that later on. I said, Lord, why, what's the deal? And this is what he said. It's been very helpful to me over the years. He said, he said, my will never changes. My will was for them to be there that day. Uh, and I had prepared from before the foundation of the world for that day, for them to be there, to assist, for you to assist them and help them in their life. And they chose not to be faithful in, on that particular day and to do that which I called them to do by being here. Amen. Now, it, it, are you going to die and go to hell because you don't sit in a chair? No, it's not. You're not going to die and go to hell because you just sit in a chair. You go to heaven. I mean, you go to heaven broke, right? Because they didn't get the financial help they needed. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, not a, it's not a question of your salvation. It's a question of, of, of how successful you're going to live in this life. Uh, and so they, they got no help. They got no help that, that day. And the next time I saw them, I mean... You know, you can't just, oh, I've been waiting to give you this money. No, you just, that's not the way it works. You, you do and move as the Lord instructs you. And, and if somebody else is not in the will of God, now the Lord may have mercy. He may say, now give it to him now. And, and, and he has done that. He has done, even when he's told me to speak over somebody and they've not been here. And when they show up, he said, no, it's a go. you go ahead and say that to him. That's fine. If he, if he says to do that, then, then it's fine. Uh, but... <clears throat> If just in my natural, well, I know, I know, they, I know they need it, so I'm going to go help them anyway, even though they didn't show up for three weeks. I'm going to go help them anyway. See, that's just me being natural. That's me uh, just feeling sorry for them instead of being led by the Spirit of God. That's just me uh, leaving the Spirit of God and going back into my natural mind and, and providing them with some assistance. Uh, and so uh, I wasn't mad at them before. I wasn't mad at them during or mad at them after. Uh, you know, and, I, and I wasn't glad I kept the money. I was like, well, I'm glad, sure, I'm sure like, glad they didn't show up. I'd have given them, been glad to give it to them. Amen. It wasn't like, missed that one. Uh, you know, that would have been foolish on my part, you know, to be thankful that I wasn't a blessing to somebody. Uh, and so, uh, so in, you know, I don't really know how we got off all those things. But, you know, it's the same, th- it's the same thing with anything. You know, a lot of times, you know, even in healing, uh, in living in d- divine health, you know, uh, is there, if you're struggling and living in divine health, I'd go back and check up, Lord, is there anywhere I'm not faithful that I should be? Because not being faithful ends, ends up opening up the door to the devil. That's the issue. It's not that God's punishing you for not being faithful. It's when you're not doing what God's asked you to do, you're in direct rebellion to his will for your life. And, uh, you know, over, over in uh, Romans chapter 12, he said... Um, He said in verse 1, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable for you to present your body a living sacrifice, right? Now, some people try to 
physically harm themselves. That's not a living sacrifice. You know, they get in devilish minds about, you know, harming, self-harm and things like that. That's not what he's asking you to do. He said a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable for you to, to do that which the Lord's called you to do. And he said, and be not conformed to this world. We can meddle on that for a long time. You know, if we were in a, had our pastor's hat on today, we'd meddle on that, right? But we got our healing school hat on today. So but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So he shows that there are different levels to the will of God, good, acceptable, and perfect. And, and if you live in a perfect will of God, then you have perfect access to all the blessings of heaven. If you live only in the good or the acceptable level of the will of God, well, you know, I do what the Lord wants me to, like, you know, like 80% of the time. I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes if I'm super spiritual, I'll be like 85 and a half percent of the times, you know, I do what the Lord wants me to do. But, you know, you got to, you, you can't be too religious, right? I mean, you can't be super religious and do everything the Lord wants you to do. That'd be unreasonable. And yet he called that reasonable. Amen. Uh, and so there are different levels to the will of God that people live in just naturally speaking, right? I mean, uh, whatever, whatever. They, and, and again, that's not for me to judge. It's for you to judge between you and the Lord. You know, what is the, what is the perfect will of God for your life? I don't know the answer to that question, amen? Uh, that's between you and the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so what does that look like? Well, that looks like whatever the Lord's called you to do. And so if you, if you want to live in the full abundance of the Lord, overflowing abundance of the Lord, where your cup runneth over abundance of the Lord, then I, this is a good place to start right here because this, this right here is a root of so many issues uh, of, of people just... Faithfulness is one of the hardest things for Christians to, to do. Now, for some Christians, easiest thing in the world for them to be faithful. They're just there every time you need them. Uh, they're there every time the Lord needs them. They, they do exactly what the Lord wants them to do. And they're just very, very compliant people, very willing to do that which the Lord's called them to do, both by the Word and the Spirit of God. Uh, some people, they fight every day, every day. Walk in love. Well, Lord, you don't know what they've done to me. Well, forgive them. Lord, you don't know what they've done to me. Well, I, I need you to give. Lord, you don't know what I've got to do next week. Uh, I, I need you to go. Well, Lord, you don't know what I've, I, I've got things to do. You know, it's always, it's always a struggle for the Lord, you know, to... to uh, to find somebody that, can, that he can use, right? You remember in Ezekiel where he said he looked for a man to pray, right? To, the, the, to, to intercede, right? Stand in, stand in a gap, make up the hedge. And it says, and he found what? None. Said he found none. He just need one, one person. He, he said, I look for a man, not for a group of men, you know, 50 or 60 people that would be willing to pray. He needed a single person to do something, and he couldn't find one person to do that. That's tough right there. Amen? Because sometimes it's like, I need a, a person with a specific skill set, with a specific knowledge, with specific uh, gifts that I've given to them, talents that I've provided to them, uh, finances that, that I've brought into their life. I need that person right there. Uh, and, and there may be 10 people who could probably qualify to be that person, and he's still, out of those 10, none of them were willing to go. And that, that's difficult, you know. And the Lord, that, that you wonder why it takes so long for the Lord to do things in the earth. It's because he has to depend upon men to get it done. And men, we're, we're flaky, right? I mean, we're just so un, unstable and, and unfaithful to do that which the Lord has called us to do. He may have to wait a hundred years to find somebody, amen? See, he may have to wait a thousand years. I mean, some, there's some, no doubt there's moves of God that, uh, that the Lord's had to wait thousands of years to occur. You think about, you know, I mean, you think about how much work he had to bring in redemption into the earth, to bring Lord Jesus into the earth, how messed up the nation of Israel was. You know, I mean, it, it was just, they kind of, 
they, they were fairly stable. Um, from, from, Mo, I mean, from, from Abraham to Moses was 400 years. They didn't advance in those 400 years. And then Moses came along, you know, then, then Moses and Joshua, fairly stable. But then right after that, it says they quit listening to the Lord. And he finally brought judges into the world. And he had judges for, you know, hundreds of years, uh, all through the book of Judges. And, uh, and they're like, well, we want a king. And so he got him a king. In the judges, it was always rinse and repeat. They got a judge. He would rescue them from their misery and woes and save them from the enemy. And thank you, Lord. We appreciate that. We will never do this again. And five seconds later, they were doing it again. I mean, it was like maybe four seconds, right? Right back exactly the way they were. And then they'd fall into sin. They'd be taken over by an enemy. And they'd cry out to God. And he would get them another judge. Thank you, Lord. We, we will never do that again. And then like blink. And they're doing the exact same thing. And then over and over again. And yet he had, and so many times he had mercy. So many times. Okay, you cry, I'll, I'll, I'll get you out. You promise to do that, never do that again? Yeah, Lord, we'll never do that again, Lord. Blink. You know, where you, where'd you go? Uh, and they were over there doing that. And then finally they got a king. Okay, we're stable now, Lord. And then, of course, they picked Saul, you know. He's a terrible king. And they got David. And David w- was probably the, the apex of the history of Israel. Had a man after God's own heart finally leading the nation of Israel after thousands of years from the judges and, and Saul. And, uh, and then after that, you know, it made it one generation, Solomon, right? And of course, David did have some failings, but, you know, for the most part, David stayed pretty close to the Lord. Even though he did fail, um, he still loved the Lord. Uh, and, uh, you know, he did have his failings, but he, even at his last breath, he still loved the Lord. Solomon walked away from the Lord. And then it devolved into chaos after that. The kingdom split up, lots of you know, crazy things went on. And in the middle of all that, God had to bring in redemption to the earth. He had to bring the Lord Jesus into the earth. And he had to find some path to get Jesus into the earth in spite of all that mess. And he does, but, but how, how much quicker could he have brought the, the king of glory into the earth if mankind had stayed the course? He could have brought him in. You know, you had Adam, you had Adam Cain and Abel. I mean, he could have, had, he could have brought in uh, Jesus through Abel. But Cain killed him. And, and so, uh, you know, it could have been, instead of Genesis, it could have been Genesis chapter 3, man fell. Genesis chapter 4, man was redeemed. But it was Genesis chapter 3, and then a gazillion years, and a thousand prophets, and 10,000 kings, and, and, and drama, and all this stuff. And finally, Jesus came. He could have come earlier if we had straightened up. Amen? Amen. And, and so, so, you know, all that goes back to, to uh, back to Acts chapter 3 then uh, with Peter and John, look on us. Nothing wrong at all with telling people I can help you. Uh, and you know, Peter said, now I don't have any silver and gold for you. I'm not sure that's a great confession right there. Uh, but what Peter did see, he's, he, saw, he saw this particular man. Now this isn't always the case, right? But he saw this man really needs healing. Now, some people, you know, they really do want to be beggars, right? They, they, they don't want to work. They, they just want somebody else to provide for them. Uh, you know, and in that case, you really can't help that because, uh, you know, we, we have people come to church all the time here, and, and they're like, well, I'm homeless. Well, what would you like me to do to help you? How can I help you? Well, I need you to give me a place. Well, I can, you can't be my ward. You know, I mean, uh, that's not the call of the church. Is not to, the church is not called to be the ward of people, right, to be the ward over homeless people. We can assist people, but I've had people come here and they said, well, you know, I'm homeless, I've got this, I've got that. I said, well, you know, 
uh, do you have a job? No, I, 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 you know, I don't have a license. I don't have that. And I've said, look, if you'll come tomorrow, because it's like on a weekend or a Sunday or something, or after, after hours, if you'll come tomorrow, I will take you to all the places in town. We'll get you a new license. We'll get you a social security card. I'll take you to the, I, I said, there's, there's signs all over town hiring right now. I'll, I, and I'll do that. I'll spend hours. I'll be glad to do it. Spend hours to help you. Uh, and they won't even show up. They won't even show up. I said, I'll, no call. I'll pay for whatever, you know, you, pay, you know, I'll take care of all of it, right? Because it costs some money to get all that stuff back on, right? No problem. I'll take care of all of it. And it you know, they, uh, you know, so I don't know. I don't know what, what is it they need because they tell me that's what they want or they tell me what, that's why they can't be successful because they don't have uh, their paperwork. Well, you know, I can fix that for you. you know, I can fix that for you. There's one person, we got them set up. Uh, spent, I spent so much time getting all set up. And look, I got no regrets. I don't think, well, I wish I never had done that. I got no regrets. If I help somebody, I never regret helping them. Uh, and, and I'll help them tomorrow. I'll help somebody else tomorrow. I don't make any law. Well, you know, that didn't work out, so I'm never doing that again. That, that's foolishness because as you're saying, Lord, uh, don't ever ask me to help somebody like that again. Because he may, right? Because he may have you do it a thousand times, and a thousand times it's unsuccessful uh, on their part. But it doesn't matter. You still, you still got to help them, amen? But I got this person's finances all set up. Uh, they, they, were, they were getting some kind of uh, assistance on a monthly basis, but they were homeless. I got them a place to live. I got them a, a, a weekly stipend. I, I got uh, set for all their bills were paid automatically. It was, I mean, gravy, right? All they had to do was just breathe, and it was taken care of them. They lasted a month, a month. It was all gone, right? Maybe two months. It was all gone. They were back on the streets. They, they lost everything, lost all. They got them a whole uh, place full of furniture, it was all, all gone. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, and you wonder why people are in that state. Well, you know what, how can you be the age that you are and you have nothing? Well, they're not faithful. They're not to do, they, they cannot be faith. They cannot be stable to do that which the Lord's called them to, to, be, to be. And, and it's the root of everything. Amen. Because remember, Jesus said, well done, thou good and what? Faithful servant. Faithful servant, right? He's, he didn't say, well done, thou servant who did these things. Because the things are not important. Because he may ask you to do really, really big things. He may ask you, uh, this person over here to do really, really small things. But he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Right? You've done that which I've asked you to do. You know, just because you don't get a million people saved like Billy Graham did, does that mean that you're unfaithful? No, there, there's a, a Billy Graham's a one in a thousand, maybe one in a million even. I don't know, you know, that uh, the people are called to that level of ministry. I right? had to go and, and speak to a million people at once. Everybody's not called to do that, but everybody's called to do whatever the Lord's called them to do. And so Peter was called to, to go here. And so he said, you know, silver and gold have I none. So he saw that this man really needed it. And so you've got to know, you know, by the Spirit of God, ideally, what is it that this person really needs? Uh, but see, you know, this person may not have the faith to know that he could ask that. You know, in his heart, asking for alms was a big ask. Asking for healing was an impossible ask. And so he never would, you know, well, I can't go there. But see, Peter could see that his heart's desire was to be healed uh, and by the Spirit of God. And so, so he said, you know, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have given by thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Uh, and you come down to, uh, uh, well, verse 7, it says, and, and he took him up by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood 
and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and doing what? Praising who? Uh, Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and doing what? Praising who? Praising God. But then Matthew chapter 5, say, let your light so shine so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. So is this what this man did? Did other people see Peter doing this? See, some people say, well, we've got to go take this guy in the back room where nobody can see us and pray for him because we don't want to be seen of men. Peter did this right in front of everybody, right there on this temple steps. Everybody could see what happened. This man, this man was healed. Uh, and see, some people say, he's just doing that for show. Not what the man did. I mean, the man was praising God. See, if the man had turned around, oh, you are God, Peter. You, you are the most high God. If he started glorifying Peter, with him, you know, of course, that, that depends on Peter's heart in that, how he would respond to that. Uh, but this man, the, the, this situation is exactly a Matthew chapter 5 situation. Amen. The, the, the result of, of this event was the worship and the praise and the glorifying of God. Uh, and so if that's, if that's uh, the result of what you're trying to do, if that's your heart's desire, is that whatever you do, God is glorified then some things you can do in private and nobody will see it. Some things you can do publicly where everybody sees it. And as long as, as your desire is for God to get the glory. Now, there were times, remember, when, when, when uh, Paul and Barnabas were out preaching and they started worshiping then. Well, we saw these great things. We're going to go offering a sacrifice on behalf of Paul and Barnabas. And they had to rush in and say, no, 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 you can't do that. Well, because they were doing it out of ignorance, right? They weren't, they weren't doing it because Paul and Barnabas were seeking glory. But sometimes people will try to push glory upon you, and you've got to reject it. You've got to re- reject it with, with prejudice, amen? Uh, and so, so, uh, so they're at the gate beautiful, and uh, in one of the questions that, uh, uh, that Dr. Yeomans asked, you know, uh, Jesus is gone now. What gives them the right to do this? What gives Peter and John the right to do this? Why, why, why were they able to pray for this man? I mean, G- Jesus is gone and, you know, that's really a good question. Let's turn over to Mark chapter 16, uh, because, you know, a lot of people, oh, wouldn't it be great to live, live the time of Jesus, right? Be there with Jesus. But you remember what Jesus told, uh, told them in, in the Gospel of John? He said, it's expedient for you that I what? Go away. Go away, right? In other words, what this word expedient for you is to your advantage. It's better for you that I leave. And, of course, that sounds like a really odd thing. Wouldn't you love to have been there with Jesus, sitting with him at every meal, you know, going with him when he went th- did things and seeing the miracles that Jesus did? Wouldn't that have been awesome to be there? And yet Jesus said, it's, it's better for you if I leave. Well, what was, their, what was their spiritual status when Jesus was there with them? They, they hadn't received the Holy Ghost, so they weren't saved, right? After Jesus left, then they were able to do two things. One is to get saved, and two is to receive the Spirit of God with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so it's to their advantage. See, none of them could do that until after Jesus left. So instead of always watching Jesus do things, now we have the capacity to do the same things. Remember, Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also, and what? Greater Greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. So greater works, you know, some people say, well, greater works is only salvation. He didn't limit to that. Uh, The other thing, greater works are, uh, for, for one thing, the quantity of works. Could Jesus, when he was on the earth, could he have been in Asia and, and, and Europe and, and uh, Israel all at the same time? No, he could only be in Israel when he was on the earth. He couldn't be anywhere else. He could only, 
So that for right now, uh, where do Christians reside? Everywhere. So does the Spirit of God reside in all those Christians? He does. So everywhere there's a Christian, the Spirit of God resides in them uh, with the capacity to do the same miracles that Jesus did, the, the works that I do, so you do. Amen? So, so but there's also things that, that uh, we see no evidence for that, that uh, uh, miracles that Jesus did that people are doing today. Growing out arms, and there, there seems to be maybe, maybe some hint that maybe some of those things happen, but as far as, uh, you know, just specific evidence where somebody's missing an arm and Jesus went and prayed for them, we don't see that. And yet, have we all heard stories of those things happening? Sure, well, that's, is that a greater work? Well, it's just a greater work because, for one thing, Jesus was limited in time. He was only here three and a half years. And although he did a, a huge number of things, even things that we don't know about, which could have included those types of miracles, um, he, he was limited in time. He couldn't, he couldn't be here long enough to do all those things. Well, the church has been around for 2,000 years. Surely we've had the capacity and the time to do miracles that Jesus didn't do. Amen? Uh, and so not, that's not to disparage Jesus, of course, to say, well, he was just, you know, weak or whatever. Uh, he was limited in scope and time. Amen? Uh, and so, but here we, we are in, in Matthew chapter 16, or Mark chapter 16. He says in, in verse 15, now, who, who is Mark written to? written to, to us, the church, right? The New, Test, New Testament church. And he said here, this is after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. He said, go ye, in verse 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So we call this the Great Commission because he's, he's, he's commissioning us to do these works. And so what is the list of works to do? First of all, preach the gospel. So that's always the number one thing, right? Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, my, my comments on this uh, are if you're going to be do missionary work, then you're fulfilling this this rule right here, this this requirement. Go ye into all the world. But see, a lot of times in missionary work, what what is our emphasis? We go to do missionary work, and what do we do when we get there? We do a building project. We build a church. We build a well. We build you know a septic system. We do. Is there anything wrong with doing those things? Well, there's nothing immoral about doing those things. But see, what's the commission of the of the head of the church? What did the head of the church tell us to do? Preach the gospel, amen? So now if you go and, and build a church so that you can preach the gospel when you're there, well, that would be fulfilling this, this requirement, right? But if you only go to do natural things, then really what you're telling the head of the church, was, well, Lord, I know what you told me to do, but that seems hard. But I can build something, so that's easy, so, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ignore what you told me to do, and I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, that seems a little rebellious to me, right? I mean, again... It, have people been blessed because uh, people of means have gone into the world and built them a, a building? Sure, I mean, that, you know, they, they were blessed in that sense. But um, uh, is, that what the, is that what the head of the church instructed us to do? So, you know, you have to be careful about these things, you know, you, you, because uh, in doing preaching the gospel, you can ask the Lord, Lord, what does that look like? Well, you go and build them a church, and they'll come or build them a school, and they'll come and then you have the ability to tell them how good I am. Okay, that's fine, right? You used, you used the building of the, the building, the construction of the building as a means to then get them to come and hear the gospel. Okay, that's fine, right? You know, it's kind of the carrot, right? Bringing the, using the carrot to draw them in. Uh, uh, and, and that's fine, right? It's still not exactly because when you go to Acts 1.8, he said, get supernatural miracle work and power, and then you can be witnesses to me. So really, ideally, that's the way God wants, wants us to operate. But 
Uh, am I mad because missionaries are going around building uh, septic systems and wells? I, I don't care. I mean, you, you do whatever you want to, right? But for me, you know, uh, that can't be the, the first priority. So if it's a secondary priority and they need those things, but you're going to preach to them, okay, that's fine, right? Preach to them and, and um, tell them the good news. And, and then he said, here's the results. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that what? Believe. Well, if these signs are not following you, then uh, where, is the, where is the issue? If you believe, what will happen? These signs will follow. What if you don't believe that these signs will follow? Well, then they won't follow, right? It's kind of the, it's kind of the way it works, right? These signs shall follow them and believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. Uh, is there other options there? Uh, by sprinkling holy water, they shall cast out devils. By laying a Bible on them that's made out of leather, uh, they, they shall cast out devils. No, what's it say? In my name. So where does our authority reside? In the name of Jesus, right? Uh, what about uh, by speaking my blood over them, they shall cast out devils? No. Uh, but the, it sounds pretty good, though, to plead the blood, doesn't it? Plead the blood, plead the blood. Uh, but is that what, the, what the, the head of the church instructed us to do? No, he instructed us to use his name. And, and so you, it's not him being legalistic. What he's telling us and giving us understanding is his authority uh, is wrapped up in us using his name. So when we use his name in that authority and using his name, then he is responsible for, for backing up what you've declared to be so with his power, because it's not your power, it's his power, right? But you, when you declare his name and that authority, then he's responsible to back up that authority. Uh, and so that's how he's asked the church to operate. In my name, they shall cast out devils. Well, that, that same phrase really goes with all of these things. In my name, they shall, speak, they shall speak with new tongues. In my name, they shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And in my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Uh, these signs shall follow them that believe. So the believers should be laying hands. Now, uh, how much of the church is glad to do verse 15? Go ye into all the world to preach the gospel. Oh, yeah. I mean, pretty much the whole church. How much of the church, by the time you get to the end of 18, uh, how much of the church is still with you? Well, you lost most of them with casting out devils, right? You lost another uh, half, of, uh, half of them by speaking with other tongues. You lost another half of them uh, with uh, uh, laying hands on the sick and they'll recover. So, you know, you start at 100% in verse 15, by the end of verse 18, you know, you maybe got like six people with you, right? And so it's, it, it dropped off pretty quick. Well, the, the Great Commission here was spoken to G Peter, right? Peter and John were here and in Mark 16, because he, these are the disciples here, when he gave them the Great Commission, go do these things. So this is what gave Peter the authority, authority to do that which he, he did there in Acts chapter 3. Uh, and so... Uh, well, is this only for Peter? Some people say this is only for the apostles. No, because he said go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Was that only limited to 12 apostles? Actually, we're down to 11, right? We lost one along the way. But we're at, so at this point, we're at 11 apostles. Does that mean it's only for the 11 apostles? Then, then the church could only preach the gospel for the first century, and that was it. No, if this is the Great Commission for the entire church, which it is, then the entire church should believe right the entire church should preach the gospel to every creature the entire church should baptize people should 
cast out devils, should take up serpents, and, 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 and if they drink any things, not be hurt from those things, and the entire church should lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Amen. This is the commission to the church, not to the apostles. Amen? Uh, and so that's what, that's, what gave the, uh, that's what gave Peter and John the authority to do that, but it's also what, what gave uh, every other disciple in the book of Acts. You know, Barnabas wasn't one of the 12 apostles, and yet did he do miracles? He did do miracles, right? Uh, Silas did miracles. Uh, remember um, uh, in, in uh, Mark chapter, or uh, Acts chapter 6? Let's turn to Acts chapter 6 real quick, and then we'll go back to uh, um, Matthew 21 there. It says in verse 8, uh, it says, And Stephen, now was Stephen one of the apostles? No, he was what? A deacon, right? Uh, he was a deacon. In fact, he was the first one of the, there were six deacons originally uh, assigned here and set apart here. It says, and Stephen, full of what? Faith and power. With that word power there is dunamis, supernatural miracle work and power. He was full of faith and power and did great wonders and miracles among the people. So this is to the church, right? The whole church, the, the deacons were supposed to do that. Well, Philip is one of the, one of the deacons, right? Uh, he's one of the six deacons that were mentioned uh, in Acts chapter 6. If you turn over to, to Acts chapter 8, uh, it says uh, in verse 5, Then Philip, one of the deacons, not one of the apostles, went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So uh, when he went and preached the gospel, what brought the people to hear him? They saw and they heard the miracles which he did. Well, let's go here. He must have something to say because he's doing these miracles, right? Because he, he gave some of the specifics there in verse, verse 7. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many. Well, well, how did Philip have the authority to cast out devils? The Great Commission gave us the authority to cast out devils, right? In, in the name of Jesus. Uh, that were possessed with them. Many taken with palsies and, and that were lame were healed. What, what, what gave Peter the, or gave uh, Philip the authority to heal the sick? The Great Commission gave Philip the authority to heal the sick, not the apostles, because a lot of people say it was the apostles who laid hands on the deacons in Acts chapter 6. Only people that had, been, that had uh, hands laid on them by the apostles could do any miracles. Uh, well, that's, that's kind of uh, odd because then you come right over in Acts chapter 9 uh, uh, you remember when um, Acts chapter 9 is, is Saul on the road to Damascus um, was struck blind by Jesus by the glory of God and, uh, and then after he, uh, after he went on into to Damascus um, was, was that where he was at was he at Damascus right Saul in verse 8 Saul arose from the earth and when his eyes were opened no man he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. So Saul went, he was on the road to Damascus when he met Jesus, and he, and he blindly made his way to Damascus. And it says in verse 10, And there was a certain disciple uh, at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. See, that's a great answer. When the Lord calls your name, I'm here, Lord. That's a great answer. Amen. Uh, a bad answer is, uh, what? <laughs> you know, don't, don't ignore the Lord when he calls your name, amen? Uh, and the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire into the house of Judas, one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth 
and has seen a man in a vision, uh, seen, seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. So now Ananias was just a guy. We, we, he has, as far as we know, he had no connection with any of the apostles. He was uh, there in Damascus all by himself. Uh, and of course, Ananias, you know, it's not unreasonable to, to negotiate with the Lord. Because Ananias said, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to the saints at Jerusalem. You know, he's in Damascus, and he's heard of, the, he's heard of, of, of Saul uh, and how he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. The Lord said, Go thy way. He's a chosen vessel unto me uh, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way. So he was obedient. Amen. He was obedient to the call. You know, you can negotiate, talk to the Lord. Are you sure, Lord? I mean, you know, you understand these things, right? You know, uh, not as if the Lord needs, needs you to explain to him his plan, but, you know, uh, if there are concerns, and this was a valid concern, right? Uh, now, of course, the Lord's working on both sides because he already showed Saul this was going to happen, and then he went and told Ananias, now, now you've got to make this happen. I, you know, I've already showed Saul, so it's already, it's already in the works. And then Ananias went his way, verse 17, and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, so he called him Brother Saul. So Saul was already born again at this point in time. He'd received the Lord Jesus as his Savior. Uh, he said, The Lord, even Jesus, hath, had appeared to thee in the way as thou comest and hast sent me, that thou mayest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 14? I thank my God I speak, what? In tongues more than you all. So Paul received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because he was already saved, right? Because he called him Brother Saul. So here is a, just a disciple laying hands on somebody to receive the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. Not an apostle, wasn't commissioned by an apostle. He was just a guy. Philip was just a guy. Yeah, Stephen was just a guy. They were deacons, but the, they were just regular people. They weren't apostles of the Lamb at, at, at all. Uh, and so he received that, you know, in, in uh, verses 18 and 19. Uh, and so the Great Commission, Mark 16, is for the church. And some people say, well, you know, Mark 16, those last verses, 9 through 20 or whatever, are not in the original Greek. And it's like blah, 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 blah. You know, anytime people are trying to do away with the supernatural, be suspicious. Mm -hmm. Amen. Because you can find the Great Commission in, uh, scattered out throughout the rest of the scriptures. It's just summarized for us there in Mark 19 or Mark 16 there. Uh, and so... So uh, we're, we're about out of time there. Turn over to, to uh, Matthew 21 there. Um, and so here in Matthew 21, this is, it's an interesting, just an interesting side note here about, um, about the situation with this man at the gate beautiful. It says here in verse 12, it's Matthew 21 verse 12, and Jesus went into the temple of God. Well, where was that man uh, in Acts chapter 3? He was at the temple, on the outside of the temple, at the gate beautiful, right? Whichever, whichever uh, gate that was, there's multiple gates of the, of the temple there. And he was at one of them. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. Uh, you know, anytime, anytime uh, the word of God goes forth and straightens up the church, people get mad. Amen. You know, there's a lot of things going on in the church that ought not be going on in the church and buying and selling and, you know, especially pastors taking advantage of the sheep and, uh, and, and patting their pockets by, by shearing the sheep and getting them to give money and, you know, all kinds of uh, multi-level marketing schemes that have gone over the years that pastors have gotten involved with. 
and got the whole church under them and these multi-level marketing schemes, and it, it's, it's ungodly. It's, it's against the will and plan of God, amen? Uh, the, the, the pastor should live by the gospel, not by living by multi-level marketing schemes of the people that he's responsible for. Uh, and so nothing wrong with, with paying a pastor at all from the church, but, um, uh, but that's from, from him preaching the gospel, not from him figuring out how to get un- people under him. Uh, and so, of course, Jesus said there, it's written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he what? Healed him. So what was the, what was the malady of the man at the gate beautiful? What was his sickness? He, he, was, he couldn't walk. So he, uh, and so he was lame, and yet there's lame people here in the temple, Jesus healing the lame in the temple. And, and it's an oddest question to me is, is, you think nobody knew that? You think that went unnoticed? I mean, surely, uh, I mean, every time Jesus did it, it spread like wildfire. You, whenever he did anything, in fact, a lot of times he said, don't tell anybody. They go, okay, I won't tell anybody. And you walk out the door, hey, did you see what Jesus did? You know, and it just ruined everything for Jesus, right? Uh, and so, of course, he didn't tell anybody in this case not to tell anybody. But he's in the temple, uh, and the blind and the lame, just like this man at the gate beautiful, had the same exact issue. But what, what, what did it say, though, in verse 14? And the blind and lame did what? Came to him. Amen? So how many people that came to Jesus left healed? All of them, right? How many people that Jesus walked by that were sick that did not receive healing? Lots of them, right? Well, why not? Well, I mean, a lot of it's got to do with your will, amen? Now, uh, for Peter and John, you, you've got you've to go with the, with the assumption that they were led by the Spirit of God to do what they did, amen? Uh, and so that, that man in, in Acts chapter 3, he could have gone on in into the temple, because it says the lame came into him. Well, how's the lame coming to somebody if they're lame? I mean, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of a catch-22, right? I, I want to come into you, but I can't. I'm lame. Well, surely somebody would just drug him in, right? If anything, just, hey, you know, you, uh, can you help me get in there? Oh, you know, somebody would help them get in there because somebody had to, help, had to help all these other lame people to come into Jesus. And yet, for whatever we don't know why, but for whatever reason, he didn't go in. Uh, if he had gone in, he'd have got healed. He got healed, you know, we're in Matthew 21. He'd have got healed... Uh, what, uh, 10 chapters earlier, amen, right? Uh, 28 ch- chapter of Matthew plus three chapters of, of, uh, uh, of uh, Book of Acts, right? He could have got healed 10 chapters earlier. Um, and so we don't know why, you know, he didn't do that, but, um, uh, but he got healed anyway, right? And so, you know, yeah, we don't really care at, at that point uh, why that happened. So um, we're about done for the day there. Um, but it, for, for our, from our perspective, when Peter and John healed the man at the gate beautiful, they did that by the authority that the head of the church gave to the entire church to go into all the world, preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. That's the, that's the reason why we have the authority to do these things. And so just as a, as a quick side note, um, what about like raising the dead? Uh, if you go back to Mark 16... Was there anywhere in there that says, thou shalt raise the dead and thou shalt come back to life? Is there any, anything in the Great Commission that says we can raise the dead? No, so, so anything that's not covered in the Great Commission, see if it's covered in the Great Commission, then you automatically have authority to do that thing. Lay hands on the sick. If you get bitten by a snake, you've got authority just, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to pray. Because 
Uh, do you have to praise the Lord? Should I preach the gospel? No, he already told you to go to the world to preach the gospel. Amen. So uh, uh, what about baptizing people? Lord, is it okay if we baptize people? You don't have to ask the Lord if it's okay to baptize people. He said to go ahead and baptize people. Amen. So you don't need a specific, uh, 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 specific authority from the Lord to go do something that he's already given you the authority to do. So he gave you the authority to lay hands on the sick. But he didn't give us specific authority to raise the dead. So that mean, was that, does that mean that nobody in the book of Acts was raised from the dead? No, there's several people that raised from the dead, right? Paul raised a fellow that fell out of the third story window, right? Peter he, uh, raised at least a couple people from the dead. So the people were raised from the dead. But how, what authority did they have to do that? See, the authority of Mark 16 is for the entire church. But the authority of things that are not covered in the Great Commission are as the Spirit wills. And so if the Spirit of God says, you go raise that person from the dead, then you can go raise that person from the dead. But if he doesn't tell you to go raise some other person from the dead, nothing you can do about it. Now, you could ask, and you'll, you, know, you might be able to negotiate something with the Lord specifically, but as far as you just going, see, if somebody's sick, I just go, hey, can I pray for you? I don't have to ask the Lord. He said I can go lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Amen? Now, you've got to be sensitive because on a rare occasion, he may say, well, they're not where they need to be, right? You know, you can't do that for whatever reason. But that, that's an exception, not the rule. The rule is, Lord, unless you tell me otherwise, I'm going to go pray for the sick. When it comes to raising the dead, it's the other way around. The rule is, Lord, unless you tell me, I can't raise anybody from the dead. Uh, but in both cases, uh, the, if the authority is there, you can do it. So if the authority of the, the Spirit of God tells you to go raise that person from the, dead, from the dead, then you go do it. What if you just want to raise somebody from the dead? Well, you know, your desires aren't what faith is built upon. Amen. Your faith is built upon the commission of the Word of God and the commission of the Spirit of God. And, and if the Lord gives you that commission, either directly by the Word of God or specifically by the Spirit of God, then you have the authority to go do that. And so then you can go do that. So, so for laying hands on the sick, uh, how many people in a church have the authority to go do that? Everybody, right? Is it only for ministers? Well, no, it's for literally everybody. Amen. So the whole church ought to, ought to be about doing those things. Amen. Everyone, especially now you've been here in healing school. Uh, everybody in here has been in healing school at least once, right? So you're all qualified to go lay hands on the sick, right? Uh, if it's the first time, then okay, we'll give you a buy, right? You can't do it today. But you've been here more than once, so you're all, you're all qualified to lay hands on the sick, amen? Uh, and so, so that's a good thing, amen? That, that's what gave Peter the authority because the Lord commissioned the entire church, not the apostles, the entire church to go and do these things. Uh, and so we'll, we'll pick this up next week, and, and uh, we'll get a couple of other things to look at that that will be helpful to us, amen? So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. And Father, we thank you for the blessings of heaven. And Lord, we thank you for the authority that resides in your word. Father, you have commissioned your church, the, the, the body of Christ, all of us, Father, in the earth to lay hands on the sick and, and, and see them recovered. Father, that's not the entire commission that you've given to the church, uh, but it is an important one, Father. You, you didn't cover every single scenario that we'd ever uh, encounter, but the things you did give us uh, in Mark 16, Father, those are the things you want us to, to do without really even asking you. You've already told us to do it. And so, Father, we thank you for those things. We will go as believers uh, in taking the name of Jesus with us and doing those things that you've asked us to do. Preach the gospel first, Father, and lay hands on the sick and see them recovered last. Uh, and so we'll do that which you've called us to do. We thank you for these things, Father. And we give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Amen. Amen. Do we all have authority to do the same thing that Peter and John did? Amen. All of us have the same exact authority, not any less authority. Uh, they didn't have any more authority because they were apostles than you do as, as members of a local church. Amen. Uh, we all have the same level of authority to go and do these things, which is good because you can use this. You know, the nice thing is you can practice at home, right? Go pray for the dog. You know, they're not really co- dogs aren't really covered in that, but, you know, you could try it out on a dog or a cat or something. But then, you know, your kids and your, your, your mother, right, and, and your sick aunt, uh, and then you can go into all the world. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And so don't forget, um, this, uh, uh, of course, we'll have regular church on, um, on Wednesday. And um, do you all enjoy um, Larry and Angela Keaton on Wednesday? They did a good job, didn't they? Amen. Uh, and, um, uh, and then Friday at 5 p.m., we're going to open up the church, or the building next door for the church, just the local church here, uh, uh, for the free yard sale stuff. And so if there's things that you think you might want, there's some furniture over there. There's a lot of home goods next door, some clothes, and so we're just going to open up for the church first on Friday night at 5 p.m., and then um, if all you people watching this on Facebook, you know, uh, all 10,000 people, right, that, uh, that's watching this, you all can come to on Friday p.m., but then on Saturday morning at 8.30, we're going to open it up for the community uh, and, um, and let them get uh, all the rest of the stuff there, so if you have time, I'd encourage you to come out on Saturday morning. It's a good opportunity to witness to people, to speak to people, to encourage them to to be born again if they're not, encourage them to go to church if they're not, because uh, uh, it's not just about giving them stuff, it's about, uh, it's a carrot, right? And, um, and so, um, if they need prayer, we can pray for them, amen? Lay hands on the sick, that's fine, amen? Uh, and so, we'll have this church building open here, and so, um, so that'll be Saturday morning, 8.30, and, and, um, uh, and then the rest of the announcements there, we'll, we'll get to next time, amen? We'll come in, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering, and, um, it's always a good outreach opportunity there uh, to have that free yard sale there. Amen. Yeah. Um, so one thing we always want to make sure that the community knows that we are a giving church. Yes. Amen. We 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 give to the community uh, where where we feel led to do that, and um, we're not trying to take from the community. We're not going to sell any baked goods. Why would hey it'd be be great to take advantage of all those people coming and sell some brownies? No, we're not going to do that. Right? We're not going to take advantage of people coming who have need and get stuff from them. I mean, that's a terrible idea, right? And nobody had that idea in here, I know, but you know, we've had people tell us that. What you need to do is that, you know, we're not doing that, you know? Uh, and so we're gonna give, and that's what, that's what our plan is, amen? So Friday at 5, 5 p.m., of course at Friday at 7 p.m., we're also gonna have prayer here at the church, and then Saturday morning at 8.30 a.m., we'll have the free yard sale, so be blessed, have a wonderful week, Lord, and you're dismissed.